0: Hey nerds! Welcome back to the paper fold. I am your host Sarah, the paper nerd, and I'm so glad to be back nerding out with you on my favorite topic, stationery. Today I get to take a bit of a deep dive into one of my all-time favorite categories of stationery, letterpress. If you are a consumer, you may have seen letterpress cards at, say, your local paper source and notice not just the timeless appeal of the craft, but its higher price. That is because anything letterpressed is handmade and artisanal. Just as there are dozens of fancy cheeses in the grocery store with ingredients, texture, and taste varying greatly and affecting the final product, a lover of letterpress knows that the taste of a given piece, so to speak, will be shaped by the paper, image, ink, specific letterpress used to print it, and of course the artistry and skill of the printer. Although this method is still somewhat trendy these days, This is not Letterpress's first rodeo. It was founded in 1450 by Johannes Gutenberg and literally took us out of the dark ages since rather than having to create what you wanted to print on one plate that could only print that one thing, Letterpress's key feature is that it's created with movable type, which means that whatever you wanna print can be assembled on the plate, printed, and then reassembled to print something else. It was a revolutionary invention, but what is also revolutionary is how Martha Stewart essentially reinvigorated the craft in the 90s. See, what had happened between 1450 and about 2000 is that letterpress was used for everything until about the end of World War II, when offset or flat printing took over. Martha Stewart began showcasing letterpress wedding invitations and stationery in her publication and before you knew it graphic designers and creatives were finding forgotten letter presses each with their own special personality and bringing them back to life It really was a beautiful cultural rediscovery, reinterpretation, and reinvention, and that is why falling in love with letterpress is sort of like falling in love with wine. Uh, There's just a lot to discover within this deceptively simple form, distinguished by type, literally pressed into the paper. This is one reason why paper nerds always touch everything. In the case of letterpress, we wanna feel the bite or the in, on the indentation of the paper, how deep it is, uh, is the ink distributed evenly, and then different types of cotton papers and different inks respond to letterpress differently, it can all get pretty deep. So my guest today is one such maker, Kate Murray of Quick Brown Fox Letter Press. Now, Kate is amazing in and of herself as a maker. Her range is brilliant, and she really puts a lot of careful thought and energy into every last piece she presses. Every element, from artwork, to colors, to paper, to which print press she uses, and even who she lets print it, goes into that deceptively simple card you pick up at your local card shop. I also invited Kate on because she is chairing the Louie's and we are so excited at the prospect of an actual physical Louis event since I suspect all of us are sick to death of screens. If you are a maker I hope you considering entering the Louis or hopefully the Noted at Noted awards which I will soon have details on and if you are just a garden variety paper nerd aka consumer you can learn more about these rather competitive design awards so that you can be sure you are sending the very best. I'll have Kate here right after this nerds so sit tight. Hey paper peeps, so I can't go any further without waxing eloquent about one of my all-time favorite houses of paper, Girl with Knife watching this dynamo maker's dramatic ascent over the past few years, I can only conclude that this exquisite stationary range, as well as its equally exquisite creator, Alicia Castaldi, is truly cutting edge in every conceivable sense of the world. When I think about how much Alicia has accomplished with this brand since she debuted in 2019, even I find myself somewhat speechless. You see, lately, Girl with Knife has been on something of an industry awards bender. First, in 2020, the Palm Springs brand swept the inaugural Noted at Noted Awards, winning Best Color Combo and Best Use of Profanity. Guys, there were only 10 categories. Girl with Knife won a fifth of them. Then. In 2021, Girl with Knife did it again, taking the snarkiest card and again best use of profanity. That means Girl with Knife is the only maker yet to win this National Industry Award for profanity. That is quite a feat in this day and age. There are a lot of great cussing cards out there. On top of that, this past summer, Girl with Knife had to make room on its crowded awards shelf for a Louis. For those of you who don't know, the Louis are the Academy Awards of the greeting card industry. I have been covering them and judging them since I got into the industry in the 90s, but this past year was its 32nd edition. Card makers are a very friendly community, but we all tend to get a little competitive with these awards. Well, this past year, Girl with Knife had three finalists and was competing against major card hitters like American Greetings and Hallmark. These companies have big budgets and staffs of some of the best writers and illustrators in the industry. Girl with Knife is literally a girl with a knife coming up with fantastic work. Well, Alicia bested them in the friendship encouragement humorous category with the Friends Through Thick and Thin card. It documents decades of friendship through eyebrow waxing trends, and it is just a small sample of the glamorous and brilliant wisdom that this range puts out in the world like Starbucks pours coffee. A lot of work goes into every last offering. Uh, Alicia carefully collages each creation to life slice by nimble slice. Choose from an array of cards, journals, notepads, and gift wrap, you'll quickly realize that each selection is feminine, authentic, and unapologetic, not unlike Alicia herself. Meanwhile, I hear that a huge product drop awaits us in 2022. Candles, throw pillows, weekly planners and art prints are all in production as we speak i for one can barely wait and not only is girl with knife winning one award after another alicia is emerging as a style icon in her own right just pick up the latest edition of what women create wherever you buy magazines to see what i mean in the glorious fall issue alicia opens up about her backstory and process and trust me you're gonna need a tissue There, you will also get an eye full of Knife House, aka Alicia's workspace, and you see that this is not just a stationary brand, it's a lifestyle. During quarantine, Alicia gutted and renovated this Palm Springs mid-century house, which she designed to incorporate all the elements of her brand. It's like a concept album that's a house. And unsurprisingly, it's already been featured on HGTV.com. Her throw pillows are on the couches, her art prints are on the walls, and the color patterns throughout mimic her stationary palettes. It's a place to host events, parties, and fashion shoots and to entertain buyers and of course to get work done it's not too surprising that there is also coverage of alicia girl with knife and knife house in the october issue of palm springs life knife house is already setting itself apart as a coveted destination in this famed california resort city so If you are like me and you can't make it to Palm Springs just now to live your best life, you can still make it to girlwithknife.com and start living your own personal season of fears. Whatever your needs, I guarantee your stationery will slay. All right. I have Kate in the paper fold. Welcome, Kate.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I'm so happy you're here. So I was a little surprised when I was reading your bio. Uh, before starting your own business, you essentially apprenticed with two letterpress studios for a decade to learn the ins and outs of running your own house. Who were they and what types of roles did you fill?
1: Sure. Um, so I, came, I come from a, just a printmaking background. I actually studied to be a master lithographer before I went into letterpress. Um, but there are no jobs in lithography and it's, it's pretty toxic. So I decided I, I just fell in, t- I just needed a job in a print shop. So I got a job at um, I'm sure it's fine, but I got a job at um, Soho Letterpress, which sure. was um, they still, ex- she still exists Anne's amazing. Um, it was a, the, a huge shop. At some point there were like 30 people working there. Um, And it was, it was huge. And it was my first uh, foray into letterpress. So it was uh, on Vandercook printing presses. And it was like a very um, commercial shop. So it was pretty amazing. Like some of the work that came through there was amazing. Like a lot of, we did stuff for Coach and Kate Spade and Sotheby's. She has really fantastic clients. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of where I, like, learned to throw a lot of colors at things. Uh, I think we printed something for a company where we printed, like, I think there were 12 colors on it. A lot of overlaps and tight registration. So that's where I learned, like, a lot of that. Um, that's and insane. Then I, went
0: to- I mean, that's a lot. For those who aren't familiar with letterpress, every color it needs to pass through the press one more time i'm i'm assuming it needs to be lined up just so i mean it's not mm-hmm. just like oh let me just run it through the copier it's like far more involved than that and some strength is involved and a lot of very careful Patience.
1: work <laughs> yeah it's it's a whole process like the You think you're, you finish, you you just can't be like, oh, I finished this color, I'm done. You have to be like, oh, I have five more runs of this. And it adds up when it's like a thousand pieces of paper through the press and it's, let's say 12 colors and that's 12,000 impressions through the press. So it's, it's really like you have to start thinking, budgeting your time that way. But there were, you know, there were people to throw at projects like that. You know, there'd be like four or five of us working on one, uh, on one piece, on one job. Uh, right. So we would just budget the presses in time for that. Um, and I, I loved working there. And uh, then I got a job in a smaller shop called, um, which is really I lo- uh, really amazing, Sesame Letter Press. Of course, um, she
0: does those beautiful tissue envelopes. She's like one of the few, yeah. like I don't, you don't see them that much. Her work is exquisite. I'm not a bit surprised, uh, but go on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's yeah, her work is is beautiful. It's all bespoke. Like um, she takes so much care and time into her work. She is so good at her wedding, you know, her wedding business. Like she just has like amazing. It was great to just learn that side of it. Like the one on one customer service, smaller shop, because I was like, I don't know how I go from just me to having 30 people. So then it it was nice (laughs) to step down and work for, for Breck because like, She has her own wholesale. Uh, She does have custom work that she does, and that's where I learned to print on like uh, these like platen presses that I work on, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice because all my paper is like final size, so it really goes from print to pack, um, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is different from Mm -hmm. Vandercook's, where you have to like cut down the paper after you're done. Um, But yeah, it was yeah, that's gotta be. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a, a lot. That's got
0: to be a very involved step that, like, I've never mm-hmm. thought about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got boxes here, and they're all just like final cut pieces of paper. They're just ready, ready for the press. Um, I actually even get my greeting cards final cut and scored, so all I have to do mm-hmm. is like fold them, package them. They go out. Um, but yeah, working for Breck was like good for figuring, learning like inventory and packing wholesale, and just thinking about like the small things that she thinks about, like beautiful packaging. Um, if you've ever seen, she just has like, she's really put thought into like each and every piece, how it goes out. Her note card boxes are like foil stamped and gorgeous. Um, so it was, it was just like another like kind of learning process working for her until I was ready to go off on my own.
0: Hey, Paper Peeps! So, longtime Paper Fold listeners know that Kitty Meow Boutique has been a fabulous client of mine for some time now, and I am so proud today to be able to help promote the many, many projects that the human fireball behind this range, aka Catherine Hildner, currently has going on. First and foremost, Kitty Meow Boutique is a Chicagoland house of paper and gifts. This stationary range has a sweet side and a witty side not unlike you and your moods, I'm guessing. But whatever your current state, this range of cards, invitations, journals, coasters, art prints, enamel pins, and gifts pack a most polished, brilliant punch. Think of your favorite, most flattering outfit and how great you look and feel in it. Kitty Meow puts it in paper form to share with the world. Whether your persona is Audrey Hepburn or Betty Page, you'll find something to perfectly showcase your message. Here, But this range is about much more than just surface appearances. It's empowering and not just for you, but the people you send the cards to. Even whoever sees you using that journal, at its core, Kitty Meow Boutique is authentic and it honors our most valued connections. For example, Catherine sent me her latest range, the Entrepreneur Collection for consideration in stationary trends and girl, it knocked my socks off. Seriously, I can not believe this did not exist until 2021. The world has always needed a card that reads, you are more than a customer. You are like family, love and appreciate you. Or cue the confetti cannons. Can't wait to start working on this project together. If your work has any sort of entrepreneurial component to it, Check them out. Your clients are going to be friggin' knocked out and begging you for more business because I can guarantee you whoever else is competing for their business is not sending them these amazing cards. Of course, Kitty Meow is also available wholesale. You can shop Kitty Meow on fair 24-7 and it is also in the best of show showroom at Atlanta Market. Thanks to the strength of this paper range, Catherine has seen it go from being carried in seven stores to over 600. 150 stores in under two years. That's astronomical. But here's the thing. Kitty Mia Boutique is not just about finding that single card or pin. If you too are a maker with a dream, Catherine wants to help you bring it to beautiful life as you can see for yourself on the education tab of her site. She already offers KMB Signature Collective, a mastermind for women in the product-based business world who have an idea and a plan, but can use some intensive guidance and support. Now Catherine just unveiled the KMB Powerhouse product party. Essentially, it's a three-month program that you can stop or start at any time and each month delves into a topic such as email marketing or getting traction on wholesale platforms. This topic is explored all month and closes with a live training. Other perks include a private Facebook group, virtual happy hours, a production and resource guide, incentives and prizes, even a weekly check-in. I just love how Catherine is creating a community with every last thing she does. She's doing it through her education as well as with every last piece of stationery she prints. So whether you are wanting to reconnect with someone you have fallen out of touch with, thank a client for their business, or maybe you want much, much more than that to manifest your dreams into reality, Kitty Meow Boutique is the place to start. Make it all happen at kittymeowboutique.com. And tell them Sarah sent you. that you went with like kind of like a big commercial house and then like evolved to a small maker I mean like that's that's a trajectory that that makes a lot of sense Um, and you know in my own career in consulting biz I I've seen it again and again you know, we all won everything yesterday. Um, when <laughs> when I, I used to sit at uh, meetings, when I just started out at Gibson Decorative Accessories, I'd listen to executives like discuss this and that, and I'd think, "Why aren't I in this conversation? I know enough." Um, but when I look back, I I really didn't. Um, so I uh, definitely see the wisdom of paying one's dues, so to speak, on the way up. So. Um, it sounds like you took a lot uh, from from both experiences that you used in in your own business. Like, do you? What can you speak to sort of that philosophy in your own trajectory?
1: Um. Yeah. I. I definitely working for both places. Like, I I feel like I took a little bit from both. Like, I. I feel like, uh, you know, my at Sesame like just her like way with her clients and her like she's just very a patient lovely person and working for her was just a a great way to learn how how to manage like the public side because when I went to work for her like social media became a thing and so like you know learning how to to balance like what people see on social media versus, you know, that's, that's a great way to get your brand out there. And it wasn't something, you know, when I worked in the previous shop, like we ever had to think about, um, how the brand, you know, how the brand was perceived. It was just about, you know, you get jobs in, you print them, you have a good reputation, word of mouth. So then, you know, I, I definitely relied heavy on word of mouth when I first got started, but then I really started incorporating more of what I learned with like social media and, um, just like uh, learning what a brand is and and getting that brand out there from the second place I wrote. I
0: think I see one of your letter presses in the background, possibly. <laughs> and uh, so many letter pressers seem to have like have relationships with their presses that almost seems like a relationship we'd have with like maybe a cherished pet. Um, so (laughs) can you, can you tell me how you found and restored your presses as well as like their names and, uh, personalities? I mean, I assume you use different ones for different jobs,
1: Yeah, so um, the heartbreaking one is my first press. Well, my first press, I'll actually give you a tour that no one else can see. Um, I have a little press who is actually my oldest press, and that's It's a tabletop. It's a tabletop, and her name is Baby. I think she's 1898, um, and that was the first press I ever bought. I convinced my husband to drive to Cincinnati from Brooklyn overnight to get her. Um, And then she was in our tiny... 450 square foot apartment for a while so I was just like printing on her at home Um, and then my second press is my heartbreak which is Goldie um, that um, if you follow me on social media you'll see she broke during the pandemic Um, I did what I said I'd never do I know I bought a press that had welds at some point she had like fallen over and like been quasi fixed but there were cracks that I never saw and then over time those cracks turned into fractures and she full stop broke. I still have her at the mechanic trying to figure out if we can fix her, but we don't know. Um, But then uh, happily, I bought um, Jude, um, who is actually named after the patron saint of lost causes.
0: Um, (laughs) I just
1: felt felt so lost at the time. But she's amazing. She runs on a motor. Nobody prints on her but me. um, She does have a variable speed, but I have to Adjust the variable speed by hand, so I don't trust anybody to print on her but me. Um, we have like a symbiotic relationship at this point. Um, all my presses are girls, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, um, they seem very feminine. I'm getting a very mm-hmm. feminine vibe from them. They're they're great. I love. Have, wait, but wait. Let me ask you. I want to ask you about baby. How much does baby weigh? Just so
1: I think, like, is she like several hundred like, pounds? I think she's 150 pounds. I that's always forget. Heavy. I say she's fifty and then my husband says that's not true. Uh, she's definitely <laughs> over like, hundred pounds. I'm the one, <laughs> one who's one that her carries upstairs. her. <laughs> like I she think she's not over hundred pounds. pounds. Yeah, she's a, heavy. And then I think Jude is like eighteen hundred pounds. And then we've got Bridget, Bridget which is eighteen hundred pounds. Bridget's wow. the I'm like a, a big girl, but they're, she is. They're they're twins. Um, but Bridget is the patron saint of printing presses. So. Oh, that's awesome. All, all saints shop here.
0: I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, I've been at shows a few times where someone would bring a tabletop in and let people demonstrate and show it. I, I can't speak to the value of that enough. Like, it's so amazing. I know it's it's got to be a pain to schlep this to Javits or you know, I whatever I, I, show. I,
1: I always say I want to take her to Javits, but um, I have too many cards. (laughs) And so she would definitely be in the way, but she'd be so fun to like, I don't know. She would be so fun. If I can convince him to like help me take her. I also was like, hey, should we take her to Noted? And then Jay was like, how are we going to get her to San Francisco? (laughs) Road trip. (laughs) Yeah, road trip with baby. We could do a whole like Instagram stories, like a TikTok reel. Right. You could stop at some
0: stores and introduce yeah, on <laughs> Oh my
1: god, I have thought about it. I've definitely thought about it.
0: It's so funny that you say that because I have been wanting to take like a stationary road trip. Like I, I've been thinking about it myself. Like just stopping at all the stores that I love mm-hmm. and visiting them and doing small films. I mean, I can barely keep the podcast together, but you know it's, it's a <laughs> it dream it's a dream
1: <laughs> yeah I so. have a dream about like a, re- a like uh, restored like VW bus that I just put like presses in the back of and drive around
0: that would be so amazing you could go to like concerts in the summer and like mm-hmm. like let people like pay a dollar to make a card and check oh, it out It'd be so it, cool it would be so it's, much fun I
1: keep working on it I know. Yeah.
0: Let me know if, let me know if you need a partner for that. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll be like, I "I need a little help. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. So now
0: I want (laughs) to, so uh, (laughs) now I, now I want to talk to you about your range. I mean, you, you spoke about your experience in the first print shop. I mean, you do use up to 11 colors on a card and, um, and, and what I really love about your, Designs is that they're they're so carefully considered. You really think about them. Um, I'm going to use two examples. Um, one is that I'm your number one fan card, um, which is on which is on my card wall because I'm a big Stephen King fan <laughs> and a big horror fan. So it's, it's a play on the uh, novel, uh, on the novel misery and the film, really, Um, everything's beautifully laid out and artfully arranged there's a typewriter there's prescription two prescription bottles, there's a penguin, and across the back there's the (laughs) mallet oh my god yeah. so it's, it's really clever, but it has that certain like seamless quality that you sort of have to think about. Like it, it takes a moment, like you don't just mm-hmm. look at it and get it. You you have to think about it, which I love. Um, and I also recall the first product I saw from you, I think it was at um, NSS. It was that cherry blossom ca- calendar and it was a single mm-hmm. sheet and you just pretty much followed a cherry blossom uh, through the year. It, I mean, it's the same image, just in different versions. Uh, so it's, again, it's a simple idea, but so clever. So I want, I want to hear a, a little bit about your process that you, when you sort of like think up these cards, like how do you, how do, you do it? And also, do you approach cards as a collection or um, just individual designs?
1: So first of all, I always keep, um, in my phone, I have the notes app. And so like Mm -hmm. seriously, several times a day, I'm like, Oh my God, would this be a funny card? And I'll write it down. (laughs) And generally I like go to my husband and I'm like, like when I did the misery card, I also have a card (laughs) that's, um, a milk carton that says, I'm missing you. Like the old, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Good. I love it, and people think it's really funny. But my husband was like, "This is way too dark. I, you can't." Which I did, and people like it, and it works. But um, and the misery card, Jay was like, "I don't know." I feel like when he says, "I don't know," that's when I'm like, "I'm gonna do it." But that's um, good.
0: good. I. Paper and I think people who love stationery, there is like an overlap between true crime and horror and mm-hmm. love and right. I don't know what it is, but there is a Venn diagram in there somewhere. But for sure, that's I in- think so. That's interesting that he's your soundboard. I mean, I, I talk about stuff with my husband as well, and he- he's-, he's in finance, so it's all like very foreign to him. Uh, but he is a great sounding board, but I, I do ignore him sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, him and um, my my best friend, Dan, who also has a greeting card line, we have a really long text thread that's just called bad idea of the day. And so we just throw terrible ideas at each other and some of them stick and work. And misery was one of those where we, until I moved up here, we had been sharing a we. he's like my best friend from college. Because so we we've been friends forever. And then we shared a studio in Brooklyn. And if you've seen me at New York now, you've seen Dan because we always share a booth. Um, oh, but we just like throw bad ideas at each other. And misery was one where we were just in the studio and we were just going back and forth, and I was giving him ideas. He has very beautiful illustrations. And then I which is his range? Wait, that. I
0: think I what is his
1: range? Is he, he does, noted? He yeah, he is not doing noted until I can convince him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he does these beautiful scratch boards. He'll do a mm-hmm. scratch board. Um, so he hand does the entire, um, like a little board of whatever his illustration is to make it look like Japanese woodcuts. He'll scan it in, ooh. and then he'll do the color washes in Photoshop. Ooh, But ooh, you can find it. him What's... online at DanielJosephDurkin, I think, dot But he's Daniel Joseph Durkin Illustrations. Yes. Um, but yeah, yes. we just throw... Yeah. We just throw bad ideas at each other. And then um, between him, really him and Jay are my like sounding boards. They just like see all my artwork before anybody else does. Um, Sometimes they both tell me no, but I do it anyway. Um, But then um, I just, I love color and I love the process of printing. So you know, I, yes, I do have an 11 color card that I print a million of once a year and that I don't touch it again. Um, and then, you know, the calendar you were saying, um, I'm still doing a cherry blossom tree. This year is a bonsai cherry tree. I don't know what next year is going to be yet, but um, oh, yeah, it's just like I, I keep, I can't. I think about how many colors it has to be like when I'm drawing it and Mm -hmm. I just don't want to compromise on like what I already in my head see how it should be um, and how the illustration starts out. And I know I could dial it back to one or two colors, but like when you see a tree, like it's a million colors all year long, you know? So I I just want to capture as much of that as I can.
0: Right. Right. Uh, Look, I get it. And I think there's really something to be said about, you know, your original vision and, you know, just trying to get stuff as close to how uh, you conceive it. I know with the publication, like I put together an issue and I have a certain idea of how it's going to look in my head. And sometimes when I get proofs, it's very close and it overlaps. And sometimes it's like in a completely different direction. Sometimes that direction is great. um, And I... I've learned over time, like to, to go with it rather than just stay so um, loyal to that original vision. But, um, you know, I think as, I think as creatives, it's always just a matter of like, you know, kind of like negotiating that gap, I guess.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm, Exactly.
0: So I have heard that letterpress takes 10 minutes to learn, but a lifetime to master. I think it's, I, I never, I didn't know that you came from a litho background, which is, which is, mm-hmm. which is really interesting um, in that because you pretty much learn letterpress like in your professional life, which is, which is really cool. Um, but I, Briefly, can you share with listeners the criteria that you use to differentiate a quality piece of letterpress from like a, a less quality one? I know there's certain trends involved, but um, I'd love to hear your take.
1: Sure. Um, I would say it only takes 10 minutes to learn. I've done demos where mm-hmm. on Baby where, you know, you can learn in less than a minute on how to print on Baby. Um, okay. I when I first started working at Soho, I had never printed on Evander Cook. My boss was like, this is the pedal, this is the gripper, this is the guide. Start printing. And that was my like lesson in Vandercook printing. Um, I think like anything, you know, the more you do something, the more what is it like ten thousand hours or whatever yes, to yes, master yes. something? Yes. Um, I mean, for me, I have very strict um code for like what I'll let out of the shop. Like sure. everything gets checked. I have very strict I'm a sucker for good registration. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a sucker for like something that's perfectly inked, whether it's a solid or in your text should be like crisp and clean. Okay. Um, when you
0: say good registration, does that mean mm-hmm. the ink lining up with the with mm-hmm. the with the press, with the indentation? Well,
1: like each color is exactly where it should be. Like it, each color, you know, I, I have a lot of tight registration on mine, which is like, uh-huh. yeah. um, like, like if you look Lucha at, card. you know, the misery right. card or the luchador adorable card or my popsicle card. You know, everything just is exactly where it's supposed to be. I mean, that's definitely my aesthetic. That's not everyone's. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I do a lot of outlines to help me with registration. But I don't use registration marks because everything is final size. So everything just has to line up when I'm printing it. Um, Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, I so to me, and I also don't like it. I mean, I'm not the old school letterpress uh, mindset where it's just like, what's called kiss impression, where it, it doesn't leave um, a mark on the paper, really. The ink really just like sits on top. Like a deep No. Yeah, so I'm pro if you bite the paper. A kiss is just like the ink and the plate barely kiss the paper. Like, yeah, there's no impression. Yeah. yeah. That's very old school. Um, yes, I, that... I don't do that. I, yeah. I also am not a fan of, like, I don't want it to be so deep that you see the plate. I think there's got to be, like, a perfect – for me, there's, like, a perfect in-between where it's, like, there's enough impression where you can tell that it was made by hand on a press, mm-hmm. but it's not It's not overkill. Um, and, yeah, it's just got to be, like, very cleanly printed. Your, your ink should not be muddy. It should just – and it should be consistent. You should be able to maintain it the whole way through your run. Is, right, is right,
0: thought. right. And so it sits in the valley created mm-hmm. by the – Impression, and of course, yeah. yeah, I mean, and it makes sense that traditional letterpress, especially when it was like used for newspapers and everyday Mm -hmm. things, you know, that it wouldn't be that that big, thick bite. But the you know when it when letterpress came into, you know, for lack of a better term, fashion and stationery, it seemed like. Uh, when it first appeared, and when uh, when Martha Stewart really like reinvigorated it, it was all about like the big bite on the on the mm-hmm. super heavy cotton paper, and and of course mm-hmm. like the paper is a huge ingredient. Uh, what do you what do you do you use only one? Do you use different papers?
1: Um, I generally use, uh, and I'll give them a shout out. I use Boxcar's Flurry paper. Um, I also like, I like to use them because they're another small business in New York state. Um, I like Mm -hmm. that I can source my paper and it's made in New York state. Um, uh, I'll sometimes use, if I, I I don't like to overwhelm them because I've been super busy. I try to give them like months in advance on my schedule for paper. But otherwise I use, I do use like Strathmore um, Mm -hmm. 110 pound for my Mm -hmm. cards as well. They're, they're really close paper quality wise um so that that's what I use but I do love the flurry it's like a it's a beautiful paper
0: right and if you're used to using it that you know it makes the most sense uh um so finally you are cheering the louis which is so exciting that we're gonna actually <laughs> so have a weird. <laughs> It's so weird. <laughs> um, I'm on the committee with you, um, and I'm so excited for the actual in real life event. Um, the last Louis Gala that I that I, that I went to and that you know physically existed anywhere other than a screen uh, was in uh, 2019 in Brooklyn and part of the inaugural. Noted. Um, so much has changed since then, and obviously I we're still making plans and every, you know, we're, everything's still being decided, but I would love, uh, to hear, um, can you give our listeners a sense of what we can expect, uh, this year in San Francisco in April?
1: Well, yeah, it's my first committee chair. Uh, it's, it's really You're doing fun. amazing. Um,
0: You're doing a really good job.
1: I didn't realize how hard it was going to be, but it's, it's good. Um, it's, uh, you know, the last one I went to was, was as well in Brooklyn in 2019. And, you know, Mary Beth uh, has run the last two virtual noted. And so I feel like I have really big shoes to fill because she did such an amazing job to, like, pivot to suddenly being virtual. Um, but, yeah, we're excited in person. We're, like, finalizing the location. Um we're we're still finalizing a lot of stuff. It's hard to tell you, but it's going to be really fun. It's going to be in person. We get to actually see each other, like, and be in a room together for a night. Just, it's going to be great. I'm happy it's going to be with Noted because we get to celebrate the kickoff of Noted together at the Louis. People can, you know, display their awards at Noted. Um, I think it's just going to be a great celebration to kind of just being back in person again, you know, whether or not Absolutely. you're up for Louis or not, or if you win, or if you are a finalist, um, just to be there in person, I think is going to be amazing. I keep sharing yeah. this like office uh, meme from, uh, with Angela from the office that I'm on the party <laughs> planning committee. And that's kind of what it feels like. I'm like, I keep calling the Louies a party. I'm like, oh, I can't, this party is going to be amazing. And it is a party. Like,
0: it is. And you're doing, you're doing, you're no Angela. Like you're doing a really good oh, nice no. job. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no. thank God. Yeah.
1: No, I'm no Angela. That. I promise. I promise. <laughs> but I think it's the funniest, funniest thing. It is
0: hysterical because I saw that, that you put up in the product group. Um, yeah, it, it's very exciting to get together. And I, I think, that, you know, the great thing about having, you know, a springtime show for stationery is that, you know, everybody kind of tries to show their face. And I think, uh, even if they're not exhibiting, a lot of people still go in for it. They, um, I mean, obviously it's ideal if you exhibit, not everybody is at that point, but I, I feel like with the Louis there, um, they will, um, You know, if you're up for a Louis and you're not exhibiting, you're more likely to come to San Francisco. And so it will be all the much more um, of a, you know, a real true industry gathering where we're literally all in the same place at the same time, uh, rather than scattered on screens. I mean, I'm just... Um, after I went to New York now, it was it was kind of tough to go back to Zoom calls after seeing everyone like it it was just it was so exciting and it it was kind of anticlimactic to to to. Um, you know, go back to that. Uh, but uh, I do hope that everyone enters. Uh, we're going to have news soon on uh, the Noted at Noted Awards, which are nice. also going on. And um, I we're trying. um I don't really. Uh, I, my meeting is this afternoon, where we're coming up with timeline and categories and nice. like a lot of stuff. So I don't have as much uh, to announce even about that. But I. I hope that they kind of like work together in correlation and bounce off each other. It's exciting. It's exciting to have two different awards. um, And uh, we're just so excited. So. uh, Yeah. And I just want to say
1: like, if you really want, like, just don't neglect the like smaller categories. Like we've been saying, like everybody goes for like humorous birthday and everybody goes for, you know, like there's the big ones. But like, I'm really pushing, like, you know, last year I went in for uh, best in letterpress and the category yes. got canceled because we didn't have enough letterpress people like applying for that one. So just like, you know, remember there are like if, if not that I'm saying, I guess it's, yeah, if you, if you want better chances, <laughs> I'd yes, say just absolutely. pick like the smaller categories. And also we need to make sure we can save those categories. If we don't have enough interest for a few years, it's hard to say like, we should keep these. Right, to so justify just like, Yeah, so right. you can always, you know, reach out if you have questions. You know, I had somebody who was like, oh, but I don't have a brand new card for this. I'm like, it doesn't have to be this year. Like, you just had to have made it by the time. You know, it doesn't ha- it could be like a couple years old. It doesn't have right. to it be just, made this year. It just has to have been
0: wholesaled during the mm-hmm. calendar year, correct? Yeah. So, Yeah, and I think yeah. some
1: people get mixed up with that. So I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> It just has to right. have been sold in the past year,
0: right? And as someone who has judged it many times, I I concur a hundred percent. I mean, you get the category for humorous birthday under four dollars, five dollars, whatever the price break is. I forgot, uh, mm-hmm. but you uh when you're judging everything's in binders like you're you're there's like a wall of of binders of every category and uh Mm -hmm. you know some of them will be like three binders full and some like barely be any so um you know your chances are better if you're only competing against 10 people but also You know, there are exciting get wells out there that maybe Mm -hmm. people are neglecting and sympathy. Like these categories are workhorses and definitely there's a lot of great design there. So please think beyond birthday.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's always good to like, you know, when I first got started, I, you know, I did the basics like birthday, Thanksgiving, love, like the ones you like have to do. But now Mm -hmm. that I have like more, more time and I can like expand, you know, I am doing Yeah, maybe I don't sell a ton, but I am doing some Halloween cards. I just made a Thanksgiving card. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's also a good excuse to, like, expand your line into a category you might not be covering that might end up being a really well-selling card. Right. It might put you on the map, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, for sure. So,
0: I mean, with your own range, what do you think about uh, the difference, the importance of having, like, these – Cards that are just about connection or encouragement or empathy that aren't tied to dates on the calendar. It, I know mm-hmm. um, there's a real schism between how uh, baby boomers and how millennials, I think, communicate through cards. So, like, how do you balance those in your range? Do you see the sales of jo- those just, like, everyday types of cards going up as your specific occasions go down? Like, how... What do you see?
1: So I I do have specific occasion cards because I, I kind of feel like, I mean, birthday always does great. Um, but I always pitch like a lot of my everyday cards and what I call my like, my biggest lo- line is the love cards and the uh-huh. everyday cards. But like some of the love cards are just good for encouragement, or they could be an anniversary card, or it could be just like a I'm thinking of you card or just like, a funny way to say hi to somebody and then you know the everyday cards some of them are a little ridiculous like I have one that's just like a bunch of summertime stuff so like a grill some sausages some grilling equipment and it just says like grills gone wild happy summer <laughs> yes. or something. and it's just like a weird card to send in the summertime um or it's a send anytime, you know, like, I think it's fun to have cards that are just a laugh. Like I love, Mm -hmm. I still love doing markets because I like it when people like look, I can see people look at a card and get it and then laugh. Uh And Mm -hmm. I think if you can, I think if you, you know, uh, it's generating an emotion with people. And if it's a good way to like share an emotion through the mail, you know, if you laugh and you send it to your friend and then you guys can call each other and talk about it. Like I have a quarantine bingo card where you keep half and you send it to somebody else and then you call and you play quarantine bingo. Like anything uh, that creates a a dialogue.
0: a co- Yeah, and a connection. And yeah, and I think there, a lot of people do see a card and they like it. I mean, I I think younger people see a card and they like it. They might not know who they're going to send it to quite yet, but they they just they want to grab it, so they pick it up. I I think uh, people shop like that. Um, I also think you know the the idea of collections are really interesting. I see a lot of people leaning in to these like very quirky uh, you know. Um, I guess like subsets. I mean, I, I know we touch, I know I keep coming back to Stephen King, but honestly, like you could do a series, like if you did an, it one, if you did one for, you know, you picked a few and, and, yeah. you know, pick the symbols and the best lines that are like, you could do a range and um, send it to him. He'll probably, he would tweet about it and like, that's it. Like,
1: yeah. That, or he'd be like, who's this weird stalker fan? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you'd be like you could send him the misery card of the like cover in the cover and, and he's like
1: uh no this person I'm, I'm a little like, worried I'm, about that I'm I'm, I I'm still waiting for his publicist to be like you have to get rid of this card
0: <laughs> and meanwhile his next novel will be about a maker who's like obsessed with a writer uh-huh. <laughs> and keeps creating creating exactly. cards
1: that well we you know we yeah, we keep joking that the little town we moved to is basically a Stephen King town. So he's like, my husband's like, you should just write him and tell him we found the perfect town for him to come check out for his next book. That'd be great. You guys could work on a, you could collaborate on a couple mm-hmm. of these cards. We'll do a limited a limited, uh, a limited edition letterpress uh, covered book.
0: <laughs> I mean, I see, uh, you know, uh, true crime, like scattered throughout, uh, different ranges, like little goat press has like a true crime all the Mm -hmm. time sticker. And, um, there's a few, uh, there's it's, it's dotted through. And, uh, I really think that that is, um, you know, it has legs to it. If someone, if Mm -hmm. someone (laughs) does it and you see all the podcasters are like going crazy with merch, like people who love a podcast will buy a sticker, um, I really, I'm really hoping that like some really great makers start collaborating with some of these podcasters to kind of like up the design of, of their merch. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it seems like consumers, if they, if they love a podcast, they're going to buy like whatever they put out. Um, but like, mm-hmm. let's, let's like up the, let's like up the design a little bit. Like I would love to um, see some of these collaborations. So. So I guess if anyone's listening, call me and I can try to pair you with a good maker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's smart.
0: (laughs) Anyway, well, it was such a treat uh, to catch up with you today. Thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, thanks for chatting with me. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming on The Paper Fold. I have been thinking a lot about the bad idea of the day thread, and I think it's brilliant. First of all, it's great when you can find a fellow creative that you feel comfortable enough sharing these brainstorms with, but I think as creatives, we have to give ourselves permission to even voice our ideas. I know, at least in my case, every good idea or project that succeeds comes along only after tons of bad ideas. So if you're too scared to throw something at the wall, because it may be bad, you may never stumble across that good idea. And if you love stationery, it's a great idea to learn more about the Louis Awards and the Noted at Noted Awards. You may just find the next maker to obsess over. Get started at the Greeting Card Association website, greetingcard.org. And may I also add that the Greeting Card Association is the only association that lobbies in Washington, D.C. on behalf of you and I, the Citizen Mailer. UPS and FedEx and all the private shipping services have their own lobbyists, but the Rest of us have the GCA. As such, there are plenty of resources there for you to nerd out over and get more involved should you choose. So finally, thank you for listening. Again, our theme music is by the wonderful Sharon Glassman of Smile Songs. See and hear more at Smile Songs. If you like what you are hearing, please give me a five star rating. And if you feel like waxing eloquent, please feel free to leave a review too. Thank you so much nerds. Stay safe.